Well, if you're going to know how to rejoice, then you really need to know how to be miserable. I'm not kidding. I'm going to tell you how to be truly miserable. Yes, you came, got dressed up, and came all the way here for this. How to be truly miserable, a poem, a poem by Anonymous, and I don't blame them. How to be truly miserable. Think about yourself. Talk about yourself. Use I often. Turn the conversation to you. Ask no follow-up questions. Expect to be appreciated. Be suspicious, jealous, and envious. Compare yourselves to others. Never forgive a slight. How to be truly miserable. This morning, as we turn to the scriptures, I hope what you'll see is a door A door leading from the dungeon of self. Hear God's word this morning from Matthew 25, starting with verse 14. For it, referring to the kingdom of God, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was mine with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. 
cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the good news of God. You know, our good news does come with both grace and truth. We need to know both of them to understand it. Let's pray together. Holy God, how we thank you for your truth given to us so graciously that we may not only understand it, but that we may live it. In Jesus' name, amen. I know that uh, the events of the last few days are on everyone's mind, that what's likely an act of terrorism from ISIS or some other terror group uh, has uh, disturbed everyone's thinking. And it, uh, it is for us an important reminder that ideas have consequences and bad ideas have bad consequences. You know, I, I, I talked this morning just before I read the scriptures about how to be truly miserable. Now take that mindset of self-centeredness and now remove from it any social accountability. Remove from it any constraint and consider how far you can take it. To me, looking at the acts of Uh, the past weekend in Paris is just simply the most uh, outrageous and extreme act of self-centeredness that you can imagine. It's to say, if I can't have what I see others having, if I can't have what I see the West having, then nobody can have it. It's to say there's injustice in the world and I don't like it and so I'm going to speak in a way that says if there can't be justice for all, then there will be injustice for all. Where's the door out of the dungeon of that self? We can't just look at that and say that's those people over there. We have to recognize this is human nature. That if you remove constraints, the human condition taken to as far as it can go looks something like what we've seen. And what we're saying is we have something to say. We have an answer to what has been said through these violent acts. We have an answer. And you say, well, Tim, you know, the answer that I'd like to give to the AK-47 is an F-16. <laughs> well, I understand that. And I understand there is a time for justice. There's a time for truth. There's also a time for grace. There's a time for us to understand what does our daily lifestyle as a people of God, people of the kingdom, What does our life, do we live a life worth following? Are we living in such a way that our life speaks loud and clear to anyone? That Jesus whom we follow 
brings us into a lifestyle that brings the whole world a sense of peace and prosperity. Well, let's take a look at what it, what it takes to get out of this dungeon of self. And in keeping with our series, we're going to look at the tradition we have of communion so that you all can walk out with this. I want you to be walking around with what the scripture says is the door out of the dungeon of self. The tradition of communion is this. Jesus takes the bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it. So let's look at what it means to be a blessed people, to be a broken people, and to be a sent or given people. And how each of these can lead us out of the dungeon of self. Blessed, broken, and sent. First blessed. Now, what I'm about to tell you, you are going to say, Tim, that's a bumper sticker. Well, it is. Are you ready? You're blessed to be a blessing. That's right. It's a bumper sticker. I understand. It's a bumper sticker. You're blessed to be a blessing. But think about this. Why is it so trite? Why is it cliche? Not the fact that it is cliche. Why is it cliche? Well, because it's true. We're blessed to be a blessing because it's true. And what I want you to see through the illustration I'm about to, to give you is how important it is to discover that moving from success to significance means moving from someone who has a life centered on self to a life that has blessings that are not just for ourselves. John Coltrane was at the height of his career in the 1960s. He was a great jazz artist and he was influential in the lives of Miles Davis and Dizzy Gillespie. He plowed new ground. He was a pioneer of the kind of jazz music that I truly don't understand. <laughs> but John Coltrane, one night, he was, uh, was playing what people say was his, his greatest uh, work of art, A Love Supreme. He was up on the stage, and when he was finished... He felt so strongly about what he had been able to accomplish. He put it down. He put down his instrument. And he said, Nunc dimittis. Which in the Latin is the words of Simeon. When Simeon has the Christ child presented to him into his arms. And Simeon looks down and he says, Now let your servant depart in peace. I see John Coltrane standing on that stage when he had finished playing a love supreme, said, Nunc Dimittis, now let your servant depart in peace. Why did he say that? Os Guinness in his book, The Call, documents this whole story. And in the liner notes, he says the rest of the story. Here's the reason why John Coltrane felt so strongly about his performance. He said this, 
During the year 1957, I experienced, by the grace of God, a spiritual awakening, which was to lead me to a richer, fuller, more productive life. At that time, in gratitude, I humbly asked to be given the means and privilege to make others happy through music. I feel this has been granted through His grace. All praise to God. You see, this is why, this is why John Coltrane said, Nunc Dimittis, because he realized that his art, his talent, his ability was not for him. It was not a showcase. It was not something for him just simply to make a living, but to pour out into the lives of other people. And when he realized that, it totally transformed his music and his performance. When he realized that his music, his gifts, his talent was given for the common good, he came alive. He said it was a spiritual awakening for him. So much so that not only was he able to connect with people on a profound level that he had never been able to connect before, but he was able to achieve a level of excellence he never had had achieved before. Why? Because he realized his talent was not just for himself. It was for the people around him. Well, that is a picture of the man with the five talents. In the story, Jesus says he's given five talents, which is the property of his master. Five talents. Now, think about this. Why does talent mean a a measurement of money in that day and age? Have you ever heard the expression? Of course you have. He's worth his weight in gold. You've heard that, right? Well, that's what a talent was. In, in biblical times, a talent was the weight of a person in gold. And so you can see how the word becomes used not only uh, because of the way that this, uh, the scripture says each according to his ability, but also because the weight and worth of somebody that is given from someone else. You see it every time someone scores a touchdown and you see... I like the subtle, you know, kind of finger point to the ceiling. You know, there is somebody who knows that, but by the grace of God, I could not do that. The humility to manage the ability and talent and worth that God has poured out into the life of another person. What's it for? 1 Corinthians 12 says... What are our gifts for? What are they for? And Paul says to the Corinthian church, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. I want you to know. I want you to live into it. I want you to understand clearly that to each one is given. To each one is given a gift for the common good. For the common good. And when we can see that our gifts poured into the lives of others helps us connect but also achieve what we never even believed or dreamed we could achieve, then we will begin to see, then you and I can begin to see 
Not only what our talent is for, but what energizes us to bring our very best into the lives of other people. We're blessed to be a blessing. Now, we're going to learn this the easy way, right? Through the scriptures and through stories like uh, that of John Coltrane. Or we're going to learn it the hard way. See, when Jesus took the bread, he blessed it, right? He blessed it. And then he broke it. He broke it. Not only are we blessed to be a blessing, sometimes... When necessary, we're broken to be a blessing. I'll put that on a bumper sticker. (laughs) We're broken to be a blessing. Sometimes it is necessary for us to recognize that all we have comes from God. That God must break us in order for us to understand. And for us to even understand that even in our brokenness, we can be a blessing to other people around us. I want to tell you about somebody who learned the hard way that all he is and all he has is a gift from God. He was broken to be a blessing. This is somebody who's a friend of mine that I know through my role in our presbytery. We have about 33 uh, churches as part of our presbytery and I have a role in the presbytery to uh, look into the, the lives of other churches and see how they're doing. And to bring resources, to network resources. I want to tell you about a friend of mine who about 15 years ago, before I knew him, crashed his life, broke himself, broke his business, broke his ministry, and even broke his relationship with his church. Because of what he had done, self-inflicted wound. But because he wasn't just simply saying, sorry about that, right? Because he realized that he was indeed a broken person. He learned through the, pro- through the process of being restored, through the discipline of the church, through being restored... He learned a way to connect with people that he had never experienced before in their brokenness. Now, we can pave over the things that we've done and we can wire around them and we can, we can kind of use our skill set to move on past them and kind of just get on with things and move past it. Forget about it. But here's what happens when we realize that our lives can be virtually sacramental when we realize that God is the one who's breaking us. We can be broken to be a blessing. This friend of mine, who 15 years ago crashed his business, crashed his ministry, crashed his relationship with his church, he is one of the go-to people in the southeast for the EPC when churches are hurting when they need somebody to come in and encourage them. He's rebuilt his business, and it's really thriving. But more than anything, there's a quality of humility and grace in this man's life that is so unique and so powerful 
that I trust him when people in churches across the southeast are on their lowest rung to go in and to connect with them in their brokenness. And to be a blessing. Broken. You see the man with the, five, with the, with the two talents. The man with the two talents, what did he do? The man with the five talents invested it. And what are you doing when you're, when you're investing? You're pouring into the lives of other people. What are you doing when you're taking money and you're, you're, you're putting it into other companies? You're putting that into other people's lives. And in the same way, Jesus is saying, he's not talking about money here as much as he's talking about all that you have, all your resources, everything you are. And so the man with the two talents, he doesn't look and say, the man with the five talents, well, he has five talents. That's not fair. You know what? I'm just going to hold on to what I have. I'm going to use everything that I have because the man with the five talents has so much more. That's not fair. The man with the two talents, even though he realizes that his ability is less than someone else's, even though he realizes that maybe he feels unworthy or even broken, that man invests his two talents. He doesn't compare and compete, but he realizes that there's something bigger than his success, than this endless competitive success wheel. There's a way to become significant, to become more significant. And that is to invest in the lives of people around us, even in our brokenness. We're broken. Sometimes we're broken to be a blessing. And finally this. Not only does Jesus take the bread and he blesses it, but he breaks it and then he gives it. He gives it. And I want to ask you, do you feel like you have been blessed and broken and given? Do you know where you are given into the lives of other people? purposefully according to your spiritual gifts, your abilities, your passions, and your experience? Can you sit down and on a piece of paper say to a friend, here is where I am blessed and broken and given? Because you're given. Given purposefully. And what happens when we don't recognize that we're blessed and that even in our brokenness we're given? I want to illustrate that with a story about a man who had a stable full of beautiful horses. In a time, a kingdom long ago and far away, he was standing at court with a king as a gardener came in with a beautiful carrot. And the gardener presented the carrot to the king and he said, Dear king, please receive the best I have to offer from my garden." as a token of my love for you. Well, the king, seeing the man's expression of love, said, thank you. Now let me give to you some lands that I have set aside that you can be a steward over. And the man went away and became a steward over many lands the man who was noble, who had the stables, saw this and he thought to himself, if this is what the king will give for a small gift, what will he give for a big gift? 
So he went to his stables and pulled out his best horse and he presented it to the king. And he said, this is a gift, a token of my love from my stables. It's the best my stables can produce as an expression of my love. Please receive it. The king thanked him and dismissed him. And seeing the look of confusion on the man's face, the king said, I see that you're thinking about the man and the carrot, the gardener. He said, his gift to me was a gift of love, but you are just trying to make a profit. The gardener gave me the carrot, but you have given the horse to yourself. And we have to recognize that we are created for purpose. And if we're not responding to God's purpose in our lives, if we're not taking all we have and directing it into the lives of other people, if we're not recognizing that, that whether you're, you're putting something into time or your abilities into uh, this place at church or whether you're on a soccer field or whether you're simply uh, bringing your family together at home, that you are a steward of your time and all of your abilities until we realize that everything we have, all of our time, all of our talent is a gift from God that we are to manage well then we will be on a wheel searching endlessly for significance. Today, I want to invite you to go again to our church's website and to see another video. Last week, there's a video of the the Sanders family talking about the time that they give in service. There's another video on there, Jay and Kim Flowers speaking about the way that God has used their abilities in this place and and through this place. Would you go take a look at what they have to say as we consider together what it means to bring all we are and all we have, every part of us, to bear upon what God is doing in and through us in our life together.